What up, world? A champion has been crowned in Europe. A team that had no wins now has a win. And uh, more bangers in the LCK and LPL. It is Power Spike, Degon, Dom, and Monty here to break down the action from the global landscape of the League of Legends esports community. Guys, uh, another one in the books. I want to start with the title of our last episode, G2's Weird Drafts. And yet again, you know, it's <laughs> going to be the big thing that we talk about, but you, you guys called it, right? It was Cled top. We haven't seen Cled in a while. And then Cled, Cled like, mid. <laughs> and then fuck it. We're going to play Cled mid, you know? It, you know, you want to play Gragas? Oh, I'm going to play Gragas. Like, it, it, it was just really uh, a really good call out, guys. So, uh, Good job. Pat on the back to uh, both of you for the shout outs. How are you doing, Monty? Uh, I'm I'm doing great. I've been very busy with business calls, so I got to watch uh, zero LCS, you know. Um, well, not zero. I got to watch a little bit of LCS last week. Um, but it's it's the best kind of, of week where I have to do things to make money instead of watching LCS, which also makes no money. So at least somebody's <laughs> making money in this time period. Oh, <laughs> Uh, what was the one match did you watch? It was it Hundred Thieves. Was it a Hundred Thieves match? Uh, I saw a couple of the games like FlyQuest and the Hundred Thieves. Yeah. Okay. I mean, okay. kind of passively watching them, uh, not not very actively. Some Golden Guardians, you know. I, I was just interested if you had uh, a little bit of time, what would you end up watching? And I figured it'd be hate watching Hundred Thieves. Uh, Dom, <laughs> how are you, man? Oh, I, I I had a great time. Not only did I get to hate watch Hunter Thieves, but I hate watched their voice comms, which is even better than the actual games because you get to hear Doublelift make the calls that lose the game and then act confused when they don't work, even though he's made the same call for about seven years in a row. So he's so he's the one that's actually calling the yeah, let's go Baron. They they can't they can't end they can't end and then they just end the game and he's like oh shit, oh, maybe they did fucking end the game. Well. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> ah, try it again. Try it again. Run it back one more time just to make sure that the Baron for Nexus trait isn't good. Uh, Where in, are these in, comms? In season 13. Where are these comms? It's 100 Thieves. Uh, I saw our 100 Thieves YouTube channel. Maybe 100 oh, Thieves incredible. Esports. 100 T voice comms. That's all I typed in and I found oh, them. Excellent. See. Most excellent. Yeah. Thank you. I yeah, will 100 use Thieves League of Legends. Later. There you go. <laughs> yep. Damn. Unfortunately, uh, they fired their entire content team, so the voice comms come out after the next week. So, like the voice comms that came out four days ago are actually from the Super Week. But you know, hey, right. it is what it is. Yeah, uh, my brother used to be over there. He was on that team, so uh, he would have gotten fired? out on time. He got let go. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Thanks, Juvie. Shout out to Juvie, by the way. How <laughs> uh, it goes? <laughs> That's what they do. Give me a second. All right, we're good. Rest in peace. There you go. All right. Let's kick things off with taking a look at that LEC winter split. Uh, uh, finals it, and, and I guess semifinals and lower bracket semifinals. I'm not 100% sure the nomenclature, but the winter split. Uh, we now get our final three matches. We had our top four teams and Mad Lions had to uh, run the gamut to get their ways on in there. They did so against SK, then against Koi, and then fell flat against a dominant G2 that had all the answers. So let's let's start with SK since they're the fourth place squad. That to me felt like the closest series of the bunch. It did go five games, but also it felt close. It felt like you're having different players on SK step up, be impressive, have their hero moments. Uh, irrelevant to me seemed 
very relevant and very impressive throughout that series, along with Exekake that we have called out a lot. What caught your eye in this SK series that fell just a little short here, Dom? I'm mainly just Exekake is legit. I mean, every series, it's like he's making them sweat for the every single game. And, you know, if he got good picks in in the draft, he would end up carrying those games. So I thought it was really impressive because normally when you see rookies play, a lot of times they'll falter in playoffs. Like if you look at uh, the, the old Misfits lineup, that's what I always compared SK to. I, I felt like they were very Misfits-esque in the way that they played the game. Um, the fact that they were like young and generally were greater than the sum of their parts. Um, and, and all that good stuff that Misfits was able to do. But the thing about Misfits is they always completely collapsed in playoffs. They got completely shit on, but it felt like this SK lineup, I mean, the, the ball lane is, is super legit. I've always thought Marcoon was good. Um, Certes had like a hit or miss playoffs, but the ball lane actually is just performing every single game. Um, I think over the course of the entire split, I would say that they're probably the second best bot lane in LEC right now, um, which is impressive. Like I thought they were better than Mad Lions bot lane. They're they're better than Koi's bot lane with how Koi's bot lane played. If you look at the entirety of the entire split and and playoffs, so um, yeah, sky's the limit. I'd never expected SK's bot lane to step up this much and and play this well consistently until they were eliminated from the tournament. Normally, they'll you'll you'll hit some type of roadblock, and as soon as you hit it, you'll just completely explode as as a team. But not SK. Uh, what I what I liked about this, I, I liked SK and, and, and the SK Mad Lions series and the finals between G2 and Mad Lions, I think for similar reasons, in that you really see the strength of the Mad Lions top side. I think what they're really rolling on right now is really strong synergy with Elioya and Niski. Um, and then Chasey's individual performances have obviously been very good. I do feel like Mad Lions is a little bit disconnected between their top side and their bot side. Um yeah. And we saw, at least with SK and G2, that the bot sides of both of SK and G2 were more or less the, the dominant parts of the map and for those teams, and they were able to play through them very effectively. Obviously, it was a, a bit closer um, you know, in the SK series because they, they lack some of the, the power at the mid and jungle position that we've seen from G2. Um, but I thought the this, this series were similar overall. I really liked what Mad Lions was doing over this entire weekend because... It, even though this is on 13.1B and LCK is on 13.3, it was very clear that Mad Lions took a lot from T1's games earlier this week, particularly the series against Live Sandbox, where Faker busted out the mid lane Gragas, and they immediately applied it um, to their own team. And I think that it makes sense for Mad Lions because stylistically, they are actually quite similar to T1. Um, you know, we have Niski in the mid lane who is playing more of a supportive mid lane role. They're trying to play around, you know, dominant top lane performances on carries, plus uh, a jungler that prefers kind of early game jungler what about picks. About bot lane. Uh, yeah, but we'll ignore that part. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> uh, so, so you're just saying that 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 Karia and Gumiyushi are like Karzi and Hillisong. Let me just follow the reference now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Karia and Hillisong are very similar players. Uh, no, okay. Obviously, like um, the the styles of compositions are are going to be a little bit different, but I do think that um, when you when you look at the top side of the map, it makes sense for Niski to be on the Gragas pick, and they do have that flexibility to run it with Elioya in the jungle as well. So I, I think the pick was really smart for Mad Lions and it, it kind of carried them through the week. And honestly, we saw some really good plays from from uh, Niski on the Gragas. I mean, they were like knocking comp around in the Koi series and actually setting up picks on him, which were, it, it, you know, on occasion, like rather game winning plays, especially I think in game two of that series where they were managed to isolate his Varus. 
um, by having a Niski like Gragas flank into a, a cask and then lock down from Vi. So I, I like these compositions. Like they are playing similar styles of skirmish comps that we've seen from D1. And it was a it was a strong style, I think, to introduce into this this weekend. Um, so yeah, it was fun. It was fun to watch. It was more fun than I expected to watch Badlands. I was disappointed in game three, like really disappointed in them in game three of the playoffs, uh, the finals, I mean, but. Yeah, I, I think for me, the the annoying part and just because G2 had so much time to sit on it and watch and, and have played against Hilly so much is Hilly on engaged supports, Hilly on everything else. And it's not necessarily <laughs> his fault, but the impact that he has on the angles that you can engage with, with the Nautilus, uh that popped up with the rel that popped up was just so fun it was so fun to watch that even karzi would be able to carry these fights right whereas without it and karzi was left for his own devices to think it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a very pretty sight uh as well as uh nice eu jace a nice little difference than na jace that we got to see <laughs> there from chasey well it just is a korean jace you know so it's okay okay All right. it was fun it was very fun to watch uh chasey on the on the jace though um yeah. and you can i think people who don't watch asian regions can really start to see the strength of this pick right now and why it's so highly prized in both china and korea I would say it's a bit disappointing that Bad Lions doesn't appear to have the flexibility that you would like to play it in mid lane as well, uh, where it, it's arguably a, a stronger pick um, if you can get an AP jungler in there. So uh, the other game that stood out to me in the earlier rounds, or I guess in the first and second round, was that very first Koi game against Mad Lions. Seeing Larson on Tristana, piloted Tristana, and just oh, yeah. dodge things perfectly, get the exact right amount of autos for the resets. That felt good for Larson, who, again, has, I think, didn't have the greatest season, but still uh, showed up right on game one. It was like, okay, Mad Lions, you know, the, they might be tired from the whole series, but that didn't seem to pan out. And then when they, uh, I think they went back to it later on. Yeah. in in game, uh, three didn't quite work out, but the blue side was such a strong, strong pick there. And the, it felt like maybe a surprise, uh, the Tristana there that although Yasuo was a pick against it, it didn't feel like mad lions were ready. And then shout outs to Mac for making the adjustments necessary for mad lions to be in position, uh, to win here. So, uh, thoughts on, uh, the rest of Koi here, because we touched a little bit there on SK. We touched on uh, Mad Lions. But how did you feel about Koi getting third, which feels a little disappointing that they were number two coming into this little four-team bracket? Honestly, I was kind of disappointed in every team but G2 in these playoffs. Like, I, I mean, uh, we've seen, we've seen I think, some, some quotes from Shigenda along the lines of, well, we just figured out that I should basically play tanks or play weak side in the top lane, which obviously raises the question of why you get rid of Odo Omne in the first place, because I think a lot of their experimentation of trying to play around top side has basically failed. And it was only when they got into a position uh, into like later on in the season where they were trying to help redefine their style that they had to go back to square one, which is the style that a lot of these players have become accustomed to playing with over the past couple of years, which is more of a weak side top lane style. And I also think that even on the tanks, you know, he had some really questionable performances. I think Chasey was really good throughout these playoffs, like, like very, very strong. And his level of dominance makes me concerned about all European teams, including G2 heading to international competition. Um, 
I think G2 is a is a much better team right now, but I was just surprised by the lack of competition relative to G2 from all of these teams and like some really clear flaws that we saw in some of these games. Don, before we dive into G2, you want final thoughts here on Koi? Yeah, I mean, the, the when, when Monty was was talking about the reason why they got rid of Odo Omni, I mean, what's obviously came out is that they didn't get rid of him because of any player issues. It was essentially just like a manager beef type thing where they said that like the manager said he was retiring or something when he wasn't. And there was just this like behind the scenes dumpster fire that, oh, that ended up happening. Clear, I, I've actually seen some stuff that that implies that that's not at least the whole truth. So I, I'm I'm reluctant to jump on that that narrative. What What is absolutely true is Odo Amne was never given an extension or an offer at any point in time. That is true. Um, now why, why that is, or what happens? Like we can, I think that there's, there's a much deeper story there. Yeah. yeah. He's a 10th place top laner. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we might end up talking about him later in the episode based off some of the segments that we have, but, uh, just the, the way that it, that it seems is not that it was necessarily just performance based. I think that it was a combination of probably manager thing and also, the fact that he wants to get paid and Koi didn't want to really like bend over backwards to, to pay him what he probably deserved after his performances. Um, but I mean, that being said, this was the, the fear the whole time with Koi. I remember in one of the first episodes uh, we did, you know, I talked about my biggest fear was that Shigenda was just going to become a bad version of Odo Omne, like a slightly yeah. worse version of Odo Omne. And I feel like that's what happened during this playoffs. Like it didn't feel like he had any of the strengths that, or the, the options to play things that would make him stronger than Odo. And Shigendo's whole thing as a top laner is that he lanes better than Odo does. So if you lane better and you are able to play around some of these like hyper carry top laners or, you know, play, play, uh, play things like Jax, play things like Fiora, you know, Camille, which are all playable right now. Jace, all playable right now. If you're really good at, at winning your lane and you're able to take those leads with those champions and your team understands how to play around it, you could actually open up another dimension that Koi didn't have, um, which yep. was one of the weaknesses of Koi's. One of the limiting factors of Koi was sure. that at worlds obviously rogue they weren't able to play anything that was a carry top laner they would just try to neutralize top every single game and when you only play towards one side of the map the entire time it becomes very obvious what you're going to be doing in the next games and it's really easy to play against um but koi just seems like they're a weaker version of themselves not only just because of shigenda it feels like the bot lane's worse too so not only yeah. are mm -hmm. you playing towards bot lane but now your bot lane is, is performing worse than they were before um, and yeah, like Morong is obviously still doing his really weird stuff, which always had a timer on it, continues to have a timer on it. Um, it's just, <laughs> I love Balrog. <laughs> yeah, I hate, I, I hate the way he plays. I, I really hate the way he plays, but I'm a jungler, right? So like, I see like that type of inefficiency and I, and it just like bothers me. It's, it's like, dude, you could just clear your camp and then do it. You're what you need to do. It's almost like. He no, feels, he will wait in that brush for two minutes. He will do that. <laughs> it, it's like he feels like doing that is like a team play. And he's like, oh, I'm like a team player. Yeah. So I'd rather make team plays than make selfish plays. And like farming is a selfish play. But it's better for your team if you're stronger in the game. And some of the times when he's playing, you know, picks like the Wukong, for example, you need some items on that champion to make that champion broken. That is that is the core part of what makes that champion broken is you're, you're scaling when you have two two to three items when you have a, a cleaver and, and your divine thunder then you bring yep. in a death dance or something when you're head yep. on this champion <clears throat> it's absolutely absurd and you know we saw it in in game three of mad lions versus g2 
Oyoye was was the only reason that Matt Lyons was actually in that game for that amount of time. Like when, once it got into the mid game, I mean, he was super strong in that pick. And a lot of times I just feel like he's hurting his teammates by refusing to farm when he has the ability to, and he's playing a champion that, that needs to farm. And if he's not going to farm, I don't want to see him play things like Wukong. Like if you're never going to farm, just play Elise, play Jarvan, play fucking Nunu or something. Just play anything <laughs> that, that doesn't need many items. Play fucking tanks like Zach or something. Just do not play the champions that actually require some level of farm. I mean, Zach requires farm, but wait, I mean, you get the point. Elise has the ability to gank. So watching Koya, I'm I'm kind of disappointed because I don't really see how they get much better from here. If they don't alter their style or they don't revisit the idea of playing carry tops, which, you know, there's there's a whole thing that comes into play when you're playing short splits like this winter split, where if you fall behind in best of ones, you can't keep on trying to improve things that are not working because if you don't improve immediately, you end up not going to the next round. So it felt like they played four games, like five games of carry tops. And then in the second week, they gave up on it and didn't play any uh, like Fiora, I, I think, Camille, anything until think, the end of the split. I think, you, look, I think there's actually a lot of wiggle room because you only have to get top eight, right? Which I think even if you're struggling- Which they weren't going to get. Uh, if they did Potentially, potentially. Um, but I think especially, I, I like the new system because I actually think it makes it easier to fix problems rather than harder because most teams are going to be eliminated by the weekend that we had right now, which actually gives you more time off to fix fundamental issues rather than just trying to band-aid issues week to week like you typically have. And teams that were eliminated, as we've seen. Now, I do think that part of the problem, and we can talk about, have a retrospective on how successful this new LEC format was as well as part of this. But I think that part of the 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 problem with this is that teams are overreacting and like trying to get rid of coaching staff on Fnatic and Excel after a three week performance, which I think is just ridiculous unless there are some really serious like out of game issues that are happening with those. Or coaches. unless you do the speeches that Crusher tried to tried to do. If you if you do that, then I'm <laughs> down with uh, with the bench. <laughs> Dom Dom has never been once motivated by a speech in his life. Um, yeah, but, not not really. I mean, I had Peter Zane giving me speeches where it's like, "You go kill them." And it's like, "What the fuck, Peter?" Okay, I'm I'm down. I'm like, I'm gonna go fucking do it. <laughs> Did he ask you for a loan? <laughs> uh, no, no, but that's because Did I, I borrow your car money when I was a pro player. So that's why. Like, that, that, that is literally why I, I, he didn't ask me for money because none of us had any fucking money, and we somehow practiced more. I don't know how that worked. It was crazy. <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like those two things are not explicitly linked. Anyway, uh, I, I think that there are some overreactions that happen as well. But at least if you're eliminated, you do provide value as a scrim partner because you're no longer in the competition. It allows you to test potentially new players or different combinations of players. If you have an ERL team, allows you to maybe, you know, fuck with that roster a little bit, try and try and make some changes there. I, I like the new format for this reason. Some people were complaining about oh, the finals lacked importance because there wasn't it wasn't in a separate venue. To which yeah. my response is, if that's the price we have to pay for good formats, I will pay that price. I would rather have zero people in that room and have this format than have a stadium full of people for this final. Yeah, I mean, I so I mean, there's there's a couple things there. Number one, the teams like don't continue practicing immediately after things happen because a lot of the teams are re reacting to things super harshly. So when you're changing your coaching staff, you're changing your players. Like you're just not able to actually like scrim with the team that you have. And if you're not, if you know, you're not going into the next split with the same players, it's like very, it feels very useless to like scrim with them. So 
people are not like just they're, they're not just getting eliminated and continuing to scr scrim as if it was a spring split like when teams are eliminated they're taking a minimum of like a week maybe two weeks off and then they're they're going back into things um and i think the other part of it is that a lot of teams are not comfortable with uh like accepting the the option of losing one of these splits in order to practice to yes. get better um i think that that's I mean, here, here's a perfect example, right? Like, what is G2 going to do? Because they've already qualified for MSI. Like, I think that their best possible option is something that Grabs tweeted, where you yep, sign five five players and you just go to Asia. Like, you literally yep. just ditch the spring split. You go to Asia and you start fucking scrimming over there. I think that's yep. probably the best way for them to improve um, because they're just not challenging Europe. You call that <laughs> yeah, yeah. But hopefully, they, well, hopefully it works better. I'm just gonna yeah. say, <laughs> I, as someone who played in those games versus that CLG team, I was very unimpressed. I was very, I was like, did they actually scrim? And then Monty just told me that they just didn't play anything on stage that they scrimmed with. So I guess it was yep. kind of a a, a useless proposition. <laughs> it was, assuming, it was useless. <laughs> but assuming that you're actually able to gain something from it, this would be like such a, an OP boot camp. Now I don't know if Riot would try to, you know. They would, they would have some issue with, with that type of thing or they would you know try to prevent teams from doing it because obviously viewership would be lower for LEC. But from a selfish perspective, uh, I think G2 would benefit so much from getting to just play against better competition because even when they make mistakes, they're not punished to the same degree. And it's really hard to keep on improving yourself when you're never losing, I would say. Yeah, and they, they are just such a clear cut above the rest of the competition. And I, I agree with Grabs' take. I will say that the problem is this. Um, G, unless you, you, unless it really works and you turn around like a spectacular MSI performance, the value to G2 sponsors could be significantly lower, especially if the, the new recruit roster gets bounced out after three weeks. So that could be kind of a tough sell to sponsors. So you have to be, I think, very confident that it's going to do well, or alternatively, um, you might actually get more value if you put together like a cool docu-series of their time in Asia and actually do very good promotion with your sponsors around that. Because I know I would watch the fuck out of yeah. that personally. I'm, I mean, it just depends on like where your motivations are as, as an organization. Yeah. Like, are you playing like the short term or the long term? Because obviously the one thing that would completely snowball all the sponsors in, in Europe would be some type of international performance that like was, I mean, even if they were able to repeat what they did in 2019, if they were able to do that in 2022 with how things look right now, around the world, I think that that would be just massively valuable. I, I also, I, I mean, I question whether uh, we'll get into what they would do internationally. Like, I don't know if they could win MSI again at the current point in time. Like some of these teams are just too scary, I think oh, right now. It's pretty um, tough. It would be really hard, even with all of this scrim experience. So I think the better sell to sponsors is to, just to say like, oh, we're going to do this amazing content around this that everybody's going to watch. And everybody would watch it. Let's be real. Everybody watch the shit out of that. Um, so I think you can actually recapture some of the eyeballs you would lose. Now, I will say, in my personal experience of doing this, part of the problem is Riot are very salty and vindictive. I know that a couple people on this show know about that. And what happened to us... That, but <laughs> you're talking about... <laughs> I, have no idea. I, I will say, in my experience of doing this, they were very unhappy because they wrote bad rules that I was able to exploit. And... What happened was that we got to Korea and they wouldn't give us Korean accounts for Tournament Realm. Uh, and so the players ended up sharing accounts with other players. And then all of the CLG players got banned from competing in Korea on OGN for a year. 
uh, because of account sharing, because they were just like, we're yeah, basically Riot was just dragging their feet, giving us tournament realm accounts because they were mad that we did this. So there's also a possibility that if G2 announced that they were fucking off to Korea for a while, uh, that Riot would just refuse to actually give them scrim accounts. Well, that kind of goes back to the question earlier, which teams would take off and which teams wouldn't? And do you have more time? I feel like the teams that, you know, that got knocked out early, uh, the Fnatic XL, and then the teams that didn't make it to the playoffs have, they they kind of listened to what Dom said earlier, where it's like, hey, I don't have time to fix these things. I have to try and just perfect these two ideas that we have from another region and get it yeah. in compared to a Koi, compared to a Mad Lions. That's why it was kind of interesting, Monty, when you were saying, I feel like you have more time to fix these issues. Maybe like you have to make a miracle, like your plan is to make the miracle run in summer split, but it feels like you're very pinned into trying to get these points now. Yeah. I mean, well, one thing I wanted to say is like, I think there's two points here. So I'm really, I like band-aiding as long as you're band-aiding things that make sense for your team. So, for example, if you're like a really aggressive team like OMG and you're just funneling things in the meta into that idea of like, okay, how do we how do we allow ourselves to play these engaged comps? Like what champions can we remove in order to execute what we do best? I really like that. I think the, the problem with some of these teams is like they're band-aiding themselves to be weak versions of the best team. So they're not actually like honing in on what their own style is or honing in on their own advantages. They've decided like, oh, let's just be like a shitty virgin version of, of G2, which is pretty much what I thought Mad Lions was by the end of this. I felt like they were just a bad version of G2. So they couldn't actually beat G2 because they didn't have anything. They didn't do anything better besides for, I guess they played top lane better within the series. But if you look at how the series went overall, it just felt like Mad Lions was playing, you know, all these like these crazy picks mid that allow you to like get fine kills and get picks. And they play these like aggressive bot lanes, but they just do it worse than the enemy team. So how do you ever win? Um, so I just wanted to, th to throw that in because I feel like people get confused between the two points. They're like, what? Like you said you like band-aiding. Look, Koi band-aided and like had Shigenda play fucking tanks. It's like, yeah, that's not a good band-aid. That's a, that's a fucked up band-aid. Like that's, an, <laughs> that's a band-aid that gives you like a worse infection that you would have got otherwise. So like, <laughs> I think it's a, it, it's just something that I want to get out there because I, I feel like the two points people are going to try to make a contradiction there. But I think the, the key thing is that you apply what your strengths as a team should be. And I feel like a lot of these teams have not, really done that like I, I mean i think sk did it relatively successfully the way vitality did it i didn't like you know my band-aid would have been put play like gin and zigs and things like that as opposed to just randomly lock in karthus one two and be like fuck it like there's our whole hand you know i i wasn't a huge fan of that, <laughs> that was that was uniquely bad <laughs> yeah and then i didn't i didn't really i i don't feel like teams have a very accurate perception of what their own strengths are or what like their strengths will be given time um, so that's what I was seeing a lot of within, uh, you know, some of the teams that I, I guess you would say underperformed. All right. Well, that was a lot about this LEC winter split and the strategies that teams will have moving forward. But let's talk about the team that we know is definitely going to MSI, one seed or two seed, who knows, it's G2. They were dominant throughout the split. Dom brought up the fact that it felt like they weren't getting great enough competition for the next step which is what we're going to talk about what are the strengths of g2 internationally and will it be able to show up here at msi that's the topic for our galaxy brain club
Unique picks, experience across the board here. Hansama finally getting the chip off of his shoulder. You know, it feels like this G2 team is primed for a run here, Monty. Right? Question mark? Okay, I think that after this week of competition, I was a little bit concerned with the way that they ended the best of ones. But after we've seen the, the past couple of weeks, they've looked really dominant in these best of threes and best of fives. Uh, they're head and shoulders above the rest of the teams in Europe right now. I do think that when I put together my power rankings later today, they will probably be on the lower end of the top 10, given some of the other results and, and games that I've seen. But I think, especially at MSI, when we're only talking about the top two teams from Korea and China, they are going to have a tough time in their current state. Like, I think that they have advantages and they may be able to take games. Like, Caps is still a world-class player. You know, when he's, he's still spectacular, can still hang with some of the best mid laners in the world. Uh, they have an unconventional mid lane style right now, which we've talked about, you know, coming back with the the Zach and the Sejuani and the, and the Kled mid picks, having a lot of flexibility between um, their lanes and junglers makes it difficult to draft against them sometimes because they do have a lot of flexes. Um, that said, I, I would be concerned about Yike being a rookie jungler. And frankly, I would be concerned about Broken Blade. Uh, I think watching especially the finals that chasey's performance was extremely good and i think if we talk about some of the best top laners in the world and the fact that broken blade has overwhelmingly played carry picks i mean he's played nine games of jacks five games of olaf and then only two or one game on every other champion is a bit of a, a bit of a red flag uh for g2 because i just don't think that you are going if we look at that game three they played against bad lions in that game state, an elite Asian team does not throw that game. Um, like that, that, the Jace lead they got was enormous in the top side. And even though they were they were getting dumpstered on the bot side, I still think Mad Lions had really good control of that game until they did Mad Lions things, which is get an advantage and then push it too far and, and die. Um, I, I don't think a lot of the best teams in the world are going to be making those kind of mistakes. And they're also not going to lose bot as badly, probably. Tom? Yeah, I, I feel extremely similarly um, to Monty when I'm watching these games and, and I, you know, you watch absolute top tier teams. These games should just be losses for G2. And I think it, it, it really sucks for, for G2 themselves that none of the teams can actually punish them because they should have to, like, be tested here if they play a bad game like that. I mean, also just the ideas of like the, the Olaf pick was super weird. I think Kled, it can be a good pick. I definitely think that if you can flex it, it's it's solid. Um but it's not something that I, I think is like unbeatable the way that it seems like Mad Lions just couldn't beat it. And they're like, oh, fucking ban Kled. I think G2 style is pretty good. I really like that they're aggressive bot side and they actually are able to, to get leads in games. Um, but my problem is that even when they don't execute what they want to do or even when they um, aren't a, a, as far ahead as they, they should be with the comps they play, they still end up winning anyway, which I feel like is very weird. Like a lot of these games, you should just lose when you when you make a, a a big fuck up or when you're super far behind um so it's really hard to tell like it, it's hard to tell how they would react to losing a game um like it like a, a you know a game where they actually get their ass beat in a best of five even when they lost to koi it just kind of felt like oh yeah whatever scrap the comp do it one more time like we're gonna win the whole time it feels like they've never actually felt like they were challenged yet when you watch yeah. them it just feels like they just 
they just assume they're going to win and they win anyway. And part of that probably comes from the fact that they're winning all their scrims. Apparently they're winning like 76% of their scrims, according to Romain, uh, 76% of their scrims. They're winning almost all their, their, their games on stage. I feel like that's, it's, it's, it's good within the region, but like, how are they going to react if they go to Asia and they win 10% of their scrims for like a couple weeks? Because if you're a number one seed, normally what ends up happening is that you scrim other number one seeds. So they're not going to be scrimming like bottom tier teams. Like it, for example, like if they go to worlds or even like at MSI, they probably won't be scrimming like the second tier NA team. All their scrims will be against like T1, assuming that they go like Gen G, they're going to be playing against like JDG, presumably top, whatever. Like those are going to be their scrim partners. And I feel like a lot of those, teams are um just going to probably beat them until they're able to adapt um yeah and i i feel the same way about top lane i'm i'm actually pretty scared about how bb's playing a lot of the lanes even even the jacks lane he played i was just not very impressed with i mean i watch a, a lot of jacks i mean there's like jacks is a fucking lpl favorite right you have just a bunch of people that love playing it over there um and it just looks different it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't feel to me like he's an elite jacks player like he is one of the best jacks players I mean, he was he was really struggling in the early laning phases in the Fiora Jax matchup, and that's just like something that's going to come up when you play LPL teams, like straight up. And like if if you end up in that scenario, um, and I mean, there's also just a lot of versatility in the way that people play into Jax. Um, like there will be Gragas picks in the top lane, and it's not just normal tank Gragas. It's like three six nine, like fucking you up on Gragas. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that guy is just a god at that champion and he will just win duels versus Jax's and versus Renekton's and, and these kind of players against very, very good players. And I think also if you're counting on the bot lane, like here's what I like, at least in game three, we can criticize that Mad Lions kind of threw away a pretty substantial top lead that they had and weren't playing through the strengths of their composition. But at the same time, G2 actually does read their leads well, and they were playing through Hansama. And to Mickey X's credit, he does more on the map with a fucking Heimerdinger than any other player that I've seen in the world. Uh, it, I mean, it has been more or less, like I said last week, he's my pick for MVP. And he has done a lot of his best games have been on Heimerdinger. And it's not because he's sitting in lane. It's because he's actively making plays on the map with this champion. And he was a huge part of turning that game around and, and helping to activate Hansama in the late game. Um, I think G2 has also gotten by with some good drafting around Broken Blade's champion pool and having his, his Olaf in particular be very good in certain situations where he is able to aggressively attack the back line, even if he is not ahead in the laning phase. Um, and I think that they, they're they unexpected. Like, I didn't expect the Samira Jarvan lane to come out, but they played it really well. And so they're adaptable and versatile and deep, which is why for all of the people who are going to say, oh, you know, you are you don't think G2 is any good. I do. I'm literally making an argument that they are one of the top 10 teams in the world, which is saying a lot. I just and I think that they could do very well against mid-table LPL or LCK teams. I just question when we're talking about MSI and we're literally saying it is the top two teams from Korea and China. Are they good enough to beat them? And I think, I mean, I can tell you straight up, there no team is close to T1 right now. Anywhere they are so good, and then beyond that, like we're now talking about, is it going to be Gen G? 
or I, I think Gen G is literally close to T1. I don't know. I, I don't understand why because I've seen the sentiment a lot that no one's close to T1, but I actually just feel like Gen G is close to T1 within LCK <laughs> just from watching them. So like I don't, I, I actually don't get why people say that because like I, I watch it, the games and it's like Gen G should just have won. And then the argument that people make is like, yes. oh look at the first time they met, and it's like, oh so in like Pay's like first fucking first, game, yeah, like, the first game, uh, yeah, where they like there. where he was able to actually have leads and they throw. I actually don't even feel like like that's even true within LCK. Uh, I think right now, uh, so I, I I think that Gen G is the number two team, and I agree with you on our. I think we agreed on that conversation that I think Gen G probably, I'm not gonna say should have won. They should have won game they three, but won. they all they also should have probably lost game one uh, when they came back. So I think there's a bit of wiggle room in the interpretation of how that best of three went. Um, I do think this last week we are seeing a level to T1 in the games that they played against Live Sandbox and KT that is really extraordinary and especially on the new patch and with owner playing Lee Sin and, and they seem like they, they're getting back into some champions that they are really good at. I think T1 is is really, really fucking good right now. Um, but anyway, to your point, it doesn't matter if we how close we think Gen G and T1 are to each other. It matters how close we think G2 is to either of those teams. And my answer is probably not that close. Or they're probably not that close to JDG or top. I mean, and we've seen JDG play top in the last couple of weeks, and we've seen T1 play Gen G. So I feel like we have a pretty solid read on how these teams perform against other top teams. And that that makes me worried for G2. I think stylistically T1 and JDG match up well into G2, but I could see G2 beating Gen G or G2 yeah. beating uh, top esports because of the way that they play, because they play this bot lane like dominant style where, I mean, when you look at how, like, for example, game two of how Gen G beat T1 or sorry, uh, T1 beat Gen G, it was like, it was essentially just what I could see G2 doing to Gen G where like they just slam bot as hard as possible. And, you know, obviously Genji's bot lane is good, but it feels like, I mean, they are like the young players on the team. They're the new players on the team. So they're not like the best at maybe calling resources or the other players on the, on the team are not good at adapting to when they're, or they're not good smashed. at reading the weird all in bot lanes that G2 plays. Right. Yeah. Or so Mickey I, I X is that, like strange ass roams. Like, yeah, there, there's truth to this. Yeah. And then also when you look at the, the other side of it, right. The part of the reason why I think G2 matches up well into like Genji and, um, and top is because both like Genji and top, I'm not super convinced by their top side. Like, I don't think that, I mean, okay, obviously Ching Tian and, and Doran are, are better players than Chasey, but are they going to like, if, if BB plays slightly better, I don't think that they would just shit on him every single time. Plus I don't really feel like Genji and, and top esports win their games necessarily by like, needing their top laner to be ahead or anything like that or they play well around their top laner so i think that those matchups could go well um but i just don't see how they would be able to to beat like reliably uh t1 and jdg because jdg are and, and t1 are just more like all around teams like they're strong everywhere so i mean the argument that i would make is like, i don't think that they're better than them but i could see them winning especially because their play style is something that it seems like takes some some getting used to what what yeah. Yamato said that kind of resonated with me is it's like when it's like if you're a boxer and you box a bunch of teams that are that are just like right handed or you box a bunch of people that are right handed and then you box somebody who's left handed yep. and G2 is like the yeah. left handed team where it's like they're a southpaw yeah. um, and they don't play like other people. So you have to get used. It's like you need some experience playing against them. So I feel like that's the angle that, that G2 have is that they're a weird team. Like you don't know yes. what they're going to do. And they're and because they 
are confident in, in themselves and they've practiced a lot of these like weirder comps, they have like this this uh, hidden element to their gameplay. Absolutely. Is, is there maybe merit to only scrimming the guys on the opposite side of the bracket? Let's say they're in the number one seed, they're on the opposite side of the bracket, so don't scrim all the number one seeds, just scrim the number one seeds on the opposite side in hopes that you make it to the finals or something. If that's one of your gimmicks, yes, you get a ton of experience from scrimming other top teams, but you give away your advantage to win. You could just scrim the number two uh, LCK team, the number two LPL team, right? Or is that just not I mean, worth it. It could definitely be an there. angle. It, I mean, I think normally what ends up happening is that teams that feel like they'll be competing with themselves later in the tournament will scrim themselves early in the tournament. And as soon as you hit like the second stage, as soon as you get out of group stage, you never scrim them again, right? Because you're expecting to meet them later on. So I feel like, you know, they could play some games early on. I just don't think that they should be main practice partners with, you know, T1 or, or, or JDG. All right. Well, uh, G2, a lot to think about there in terms of their global power ranking. And I appreciated the fact that you you caveated uh, some things because I felt the, the quote of the title coming, the quote of the comment coming. Dom thinks that uh, Chasey is just as good as Dorian. No, 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 no. no. That, that, that was not what <laughs> well, The other thing is like, you know, G2 <laughs> would get their ass shattered by international teams. It's like, I don't really think that i think they are a good team but it's just a, a qualification of how good they they are relatively which i i think i feel comfortable probably placing them somewhere in the eight to ten range of teams in the world right now especially since you know ever since the last time teams that we expected to come back down to earth like i don't know ig um you know that's happened Jeez. so um, Lift sandbox, yeah. <laughs> uh, Lift sandbox was doing all right. Um, I, I think, I think, yeah. But some of these teams that we we kind of called fraudulent potentially previously have uh, shown a greater degree of weakness that we, you know, expected them to show. Um, but yeah, I, you, you Monty, got me I, I got to read you something right here. Oh boy, I think that you are too much. LCK and LPL based, not biased, based. It's very important. <laughs> and then I'll say, we need I to believe very in our teams. And LCK based. I agree with this. Yeah. <laughs> we need to believe in our teams. Like, why don't you just believe in them, Monty? How about that? Just fucking believe, bro. <laughs> just, just tilt them. The classic. That's what TSM could do. They can just tilt them. Yeah, the, just tilt them. <laughs> the question I have then, you know, just because, and we'll just use T1 because they are one of the best, if not the best team in the world. Where do you attack them? Is it is it caps at Faker? Because I don't think it's Hans and Mickey towards Guma I think, and Karia. I, I think that G2 is a an especially terrible matchup um, against T1. Like, I really just don't see any hope because the other, the problem is, is that the other strength of T1 is that it is very difficult to beat T1 by playing unconventionally because they are very, very good at reading team composition goals on the fly, like team comp win conditions. And so if you try and do weird things into them, look at, let's let's roll back time to uh, Dom Juan versus T1, Game 5, Birdall, Top Azir, Heimerdinger ADC, and Spring uh, of... And this was a year ago. This was Spring Playoffs uh, a year ago. I think the composition and draft were extremely clever. 
uh, from from Don Juan in, in that game five, especially because they were able to fake. Basically, they played Senna Yasuo in game number one, and then they were able to hide the Yasuo as a mid lane Yasuo because they were on red side. And they, they were able to get a lot of advantages out of the draft and have a very interesting composition. The problem was is that Dom one was worse at reading their own win conditions than T1 was reading it, the enemy win conditions. And they were completely surprised by this. So it, we saw the the Azir top uh, pop up again from Bird all this time on Live Sandbox this last week. T, you try and throw curveballs at T1, and they will hit a home run on you. That is the problem. Like, they are not flabbergasted by this, and they are not deceived, and they will just make, they will make macro gameplay adaptations, and you will not win. And now you combine this fact with Zayas is on form right now in a major way. He basically dominated every single game that he played this last week. He will put Broken Blade in the grave uh right now so i think it's it's really hard to for them to match up well against t1 they basically have no advantages and also you have to remember that part of the flaw with europe right now is that they're not really the bot lane meta is very different in europe and i think by msi the bot lane meta will be very different than it is right now especially with the goals that riot has stated that they're moving towards and we we probably have one to two more patches before we hit the MSI patch. Um, they'll probably do at least one after 13, 14, and then maybe another one before MSI hits. Um, we don't really know. But I think we've got a couple patches left left in the pipeline here, and I think they will move away and, and start steadily nerfing what T1's doing in the bot lane. Like I think the the Hail of Blades nerf is, is probably incoming, um, and I think the Serrated Dirk nerf is probably incoming. Um, yeah, I mean, the issue one- with this is is that once they do this, Carrier and Ming are the two best Nautilus players in the world. Correct. So, and also, Carrier's like, top, top five most played champions are like Thresh, Nautilus, Braum. You know, it, yes, you're absolutely right, Dom. He was drawing Nautilus bands in spring last year every single game. Uh, nope. That's the problem, is that he is also a very good... Me- most of his career has been being excellent on melee supports. So... Yep. Yes, that is a problem, but I would argue, I would argue that the difference between Carrier's melee supports and other people's melee supports is probably smaller than the difference between Carrier on some of these AD carries and other people on these AD carries. So in a way, he's kind of scarier on the on the AD carries. Um, they're still going to be really good. As, oh, as that's a, yeah. That, that's <laughs> so, what I was going to say. So, Hilly and 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 <laughs> Mickey on Nautilus, like that's a thing. Like those I mean, things. No, for, I hate Hillisong's Nautilus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Hilly's Nautilus is good. I mean, w- one thing I'll say about both these teams is I feel like G two and and T one they don't react super well when they get like behind. Like they ki- they they're just better from ahead. So they have that same flaw in in that respect. And I feel like that's the angle that you have to kind of like try to hope for is that you just match fire with fire. You hope that you're able to, you know, win some of these duels. Like you scrap it out with them. I don't think G2 is, they could never win like a, a, a three V three bot or not dominate a bot lane or, you know, just really get going because they sure. know how to make plays. Like they have solid plays. Obviously sometimes they fuck them up, but you just hope that you have a better day than them in, in that respect. And, you know, you'll be able to carry out your leads better than um, they will t- to like come back. I feel like the issue uh, with with T1 specifically is not necessarily just the bot lane. It's that like 
you also have the problem of top lane where the other teams like you you might have a bot lane issue but you not you don't have the top lane issue i think for t1 you have the top lane issue where zeus is just going to be better than bb in like almost every matchup i would think so that's where it gets really tough um so yeah i mean i i, I don't think it's unwinnable but they they would have to just like they would have to just wake up and just be on some some like oh we're just we're just feeling it today we're like we got nothing to lose like they're expected you know they're expecting to, to beat us so maybe they don't have the best mindset for this game like they're probably expecting the finals of msi to be between like you know t1's expecting to play like a gen g or play jdg or top or somebody like that and they're they, they you just catch them on a day where they're not playing their best that that's the angle that i think you know g2 needs to have but i don't think it's impossible whereas like for you know, for other teams, I do think it's impossible. Like, I think it's it's actually just impossible for um, whoever comes out second. Like, if Mad Lions played against, like, JDG or or T1, I think it's actually impossible. I, I would be very surprised if they, like, ever were able to win a best of five. I, I didn't mean to derail us that far off of this one by asking the T1 versus G2 matchup here. No, that's but... the whole point of the conversation is the shadow box uh, G2 versus some of these teams. I disagree with them. I actually do think it's impossible for, for G2 to beat <laughs> T1. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I actually do think it's impossible. It, obviously, like, this is speculation. Maybe I'll change my mind if we see a different meta. But, like, Lee Sin is becoming a, an increasing must ban. It's in the current meta. I, I don't think it's possible because of the way they're playing their bot lane and because of now that own, owner is now 40 and five, including international competition on Lee Sin. He had some uh, just amazing game, like the games on Lee Sin this this week. Um, what he did to live sandbox on that champion was unreal. Um, and I think it's it's very hard, very, very hard. And also the way. The way T1 plays is around skirmish-based and pick compositions. And so they love to break these fights into little 2v2s and 3v3s, and then they just outhands you. Um, it's really hard to beat them right now. I, I, well, okay. This this last T1 Live Sandbox match, I had trouble sleeping, woke up, watched it along with uh, our friend LS. And it kind of felt like Live Sandbox was in a good spot, and then they fought around Baron, and then just like mind controlled into T1, and T1 won the fight. Faker like had an int like early on on the Gragas, like it looked no, good. I, and then I he, definitely like, think it's it. so. It, the one thing that I find really weird about T1 is like when they have bad games, or like when they, you know, when they have like big ints, it seems like they're just forgiven more than other teams. Yes, it feels <laughs> like G2, just like what we talked about with G2. No, it, they, they, they are really just forgiven for all their ints. I mean, like, I was seeing people with the narrative in my chat that they destroyed Genji. It's like, yeah, T1 just shit on Genji. It's like, well, they, they destroyed the, one of the games that they won, and then, like, the yes. other two, like, they should have lost. So I don't understand why when it, when T1, like, has a bad game or when they make misplays, it just, like, doesn't count against them the same way it does for, like, other teams. Like, for other teams, it, you, you, you look at it, you're like, oh, that's, like, that is a that it assassinates their character it's like oh that's that's a flaw of them as a team but when t1 makes a mistake it's like ah oh, they made a mistake it's just t1 like they're still the best team that's what i don't get from from watching the games but i just watch i don't, I don't know about like the narratives really i just watch with like the casters muted most of the time and i just watch the gameplay and i, I don't think that that it's like i don't think it's 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 un it, it's not feasible for jdg to beat t1 in a series like i don't think that that's a ridiculous statement but it seems yeah. like most people are on the same shit that people were on last MSI where, <laughs> you know, it was like T1 is the best team in the world, 18 and 0, like whatever. I mean, I see like, like, so the I, I think I, I mean, this is a, this is now devolved into a T1 conversation. I think T1 is a better team now than they were in their 18 and 0 run. I thought that they were pretty yeah, but flawed. That's not, that's not, yeah, that's not that controversial. I, I agree. 
I think they are uh, better. I thought they were pretty flawed in that. It, I, I mean, I cautioned a bunch of bu- about a bunch of things heading into MSI. I was not particularly confident, if you guys remember, even though everybody else was like high as fuck on their their eighteen and zero. Yeah, I think they are a, a better team now than they were at that point in time. Yeah, I think so too. But I mean, they're a better team. They're a better team than the one that lost the last MSI. Nice. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was it was a it was a close final. But yeah. Quickly, I mean, quickly, shuffle off the trophy. Actually, no, there was no trophy. Actually, trophy I disagree with that. I disagree that it was a close final. I think that people say it was a close final because it was five games, but in the games that RNG won, RNG beat their ass. Like it was not a very like close final in terms of the so if T1 played that same final. The last games certainly wasn't close. <laughs> I mean, I don't think any of the games that, that, that RNG won were particularly close, um, but it, it's the same thing, right? If T1 won that series, it would have been like, yeah, it was 3-2, but it wasn't close. I mean, T1, it's the same thing that people do like with, with T1 when they play against Gen G. It would just be, yeah, I mean, T1 won, but it wasn't close. I don't understand why they can't get any criticism ever. Like, it's just, it's crazy. So anyway, I, I think I think that this meta is very good for T1 because they have defined the, the bot lane meta, and it is a bot lane focused meta that we're seeing right now. Uh, whether they will be, uh, we saw a lot of changes in the meta before MSI last time that I think held t1 back like we got to see the ap kaisa nerfs that i think uh, were clearly quite bad for t1 heading into msi and it that may happen again you know that may happen again so kaisa we may nerfs? no not the kaisa Last nerfs, nerfs to t1 champions <laughs> like oh, okay. you know areas champion <laughs> champion pool or whatever okay um no i don't think we're gonna see kaisa nerfs i mean okay. there were nerfs that affected the way t1 was playing the game and no, dominating i thought, you, I, thought I heard you say kaisa nerfs in uh for last spring that's what no, for the there AP was. Kaisa. There was. Oh yeah, the AP Kaisa nerfs. Well, I was just saying, like, I, I just, I just like if Kaisa was in a stronger state, I don't think that's good when one team has Gala on it. That's, yes. what, that's oh what I was no, no, say. no, for sure. But I, the, it was they were playing AP Kaisa mid, and the the yeah, AP the, the AP build was, was very good? seriously nerfed. I thought it T one played it well. Okay. I was a hater the whole time of of AP Kaisa, <laughs> but then again, I saw like Larson play it in in Europe. I just thought it was like kind of cheesy. I, I didn't um, believe I mean, it. T one was really good at it um so anyway it's it's neither it's neither here nor there we'll have to wait and see what the patches are there's there's usually a pretty big difference between what we see in the spring playoffs and msi that may affect things and also there's still a lot of the season left for for teams to get better but i think jdg certainly is a team that can that can you know give t1 a run for their money on a player for player basis yeah I mean, I just, there's just one thing else. Uh, the one one other thing that I'll I'll say before we get off T1 because I, I like I like talking about about T1 because like I'm coming out with a video soon about like how I think Chovy right now is like getting super underrated. I think the World Semifinals like completely altered the way people perceive him as a player, and it just seems like he's not as popular as he was before. Like before Worlds, everyone was like, oh, he's like probably the best player in the world, and then suddenly it's like he's not even in that conversation anymore. Still think he's one of the best players in the world. If somebody, if like God came down and he actually displayed the real ratings for all the players and Chovy was actually the best player in the world, I'd be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Like I, would, I wouldn't fight it at all. You know, I'd be like, I, I wouldn't contest him. Uh, you know, where I wouldn't be arguing with God if he like tried to, you know, I was going to say, what? Player. If he said anything, yeah. yeah. I, I like where the best player in the world. I'm scrapping it out with God right there. I would argue with God, but not this time. Yeah, I would argue again. No, I'm not saying like I'm that. God, I just, fuck you. I'm the omniscient one. Yeah. Like, I don't care what you say. Like, just, hey, man, I don't know how many games the solo queue you like yeah, roll through in North America. Like if, but... if, like, I ran a calculation on a computer and it gave me like the it gave me a number that I didn't agree with. Be like, all right, no, 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 we got to get into it. Like, maybe I'm just that delusional as a person. But, <laughs> 
you know, I, I think that when you look at the trajectory of Gen G, considering their players, and you look at the fact that T1 has had the same lineup. My, wait, hold on. Dion, are you drinking just milk? I'm drinking protein. It's a protein shake. Oh, I thought you were just drinking straight milk. I need to stop the rant right there <laughs> yeah. just to, to make sure that Digon's not fucking drinking milk <laughs> on, on the stream. Okay. What's wrong with drinking milk? That's right. Yeah. Even if I want to. We can't just be drinking milk. We're all in our fucking mid-30s at this point. We That's why we're drink drinking milk. This is a, this is a whack-ass steak. We have to investigate this. Why can't you just drink yeah. milk? <laughs> Bro, I don't know. Like you can't just be drinking straight milk. Like I don't like and, and you can't. That's like, like kids drink milk. You don't like. You would never go to like Chipotle and be like, oh, can I have a glass of milk with that order? Like no one, no one's just drinking milk. Oh, you're not gonna drink like a, a small glass of milk with some chocolate chip cookies. That shit's delicious, Tom. Yeah. Hell no. Hell oh no! I'm like, Tom drinks water I, with I chocolate hate... chip cookies. Get out! <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm actually just lactose intolerant. So like, and milk is the one thing that makes me puke. I can eat cheese and stuff, but like, milk oh. will just make me sick. So I actually who, have. Who some, would some, eat milk some... with Chipotle? Why was that your example too? Man? <laughs> yeah. Well, because it's just like a, it's just like a like you wouldn't order milk as at the same time you would order another beverage, right? Like like it would just be yeah. it's a very specific, it's a very niche thing. Like we wouldn't just be on a talk show. It's like, like hold on, I need to get myself a glass of milk. Like, <laughs> I just couldn't imagine it. Anyway, I mean, I, I go back to arguing with protein God. powder. <laughs> All right, let me go. Let me go back to arguing with God. Anyways, my point. <laughs> my main point is, I think that 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 the storyline, like, I think that Gen G versus T One, the the real storyline should be shaping up. That these are like the best two teams right now in Korea, and they're gonna have like, and right now the way that it's looking is like there should be like a fucking banger playoffs. But it seems like most people are kind of just like. T1's got it in the fucking bag. It's like theirs to lose, which I mean, I guess I would say it, it is theirs to lose. They are the best team, but I think that we're about to get like a really fucking like good final uh, potentially out of Gen G and T1. I think that Gen G actually look like they play well into T1. So I don't know. I just, I, I, I just want to, I, I just don't, when I watch all the games, I don't think any team is that good right now. Like it's the beginning of it's spring, right? It's the same thing as last, last year. In February, teams are just not that fucking good. Pe people came off breaks. There's changes to the game. Like the meta is kind of like fucked up. It's just a weird like state of League of Legends. I think that there's going to be a lot more parity um, come MSI. Except T1, the team that has not changed their roster or changed anything that went to the finals. Them and CLG. <laughs> but I mean, at least T1, you know, that, that to me makes sense and why people just that don't do the research will just say oh they've got in the bag there's no one close yeah but like you know? they sh so like okay maybe they're maybe they're like looking i wouldn't say the best by far like i when i'm watching their games i don't think that like they're they're the best by far i think that they're the best but it's close um right now and then other teams like should be able to improve faster considering that they're starting with different players like i, I don't know i just i don't i don't see it as like like I don't it feels like we're already doing the same shit everyone did last year where we're like riding off MSI. Not us, but just the community. You know, it feels like people are just like, yeah, oh T1's probably gonna win that, and then they'll probably win summer and they'll probably win worlds. It's like motherfuckers, it is February. Like it is February. We saw what happened last year. Like I don't know, bro. I think I think Gen G is actually solid. I think, I also, and also I, I think they I, match I, up well because I think Chovy's just better than Faker. I, I also, I think that's true. Uh, I also suspect that Riot may, because they switched up to the two ranked splits this year, I am suspicious that they might do a massive patch overhaul mid-year uh, that is more reminiscent of what we usually see in the offseason because they have, they want to 
mix up the game more than usual to draw people back into the next rank split. That's my theory. Well, I mean, if it's anything like the last offseason, what they'll do is they'll wait until like one week after everything goes live. It's like, okay, now yep. pro play is back. Now we're going to hit you with the fucking big patch because apparently you can't have changes during the preseason. They were, they were on the off. holidays, Dom. Come on. Yeah, they got just a fucking eight week <laughs> holiday, I guess. Yeah, you got summer holiday too after MSI. I mean, so. uh, that's something that just requires some level of explanation. It's like, okay, so the reason why it, it was hard for us to like produce new content was because the biggest time of the year is like Worlds, right? Which kind of makes sense, but then you're like, wait, that's like for the esports side of things. Yeah, only but then, for the esports side. Yeah, that's so like what? So why is like the champion design and balance and, team and also and also the the balance team actually has an opportunity during that period because the patch is just frozen for all of Worlds, so they can do their wild experimentation on the live server while Worlds is going on. In theory. well, the, the reason they won't do that is because like the the end of the rank season is actually like happening, so they don't want to sure. have like big changes before the end of the rank season. But that still is an excuse. Like the 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 two weeks, like obviously like Christmas break, whatever, like holiday break. Yeah, I'm down with it. But there's like a month. There's a month and a half between when Worlds ends, which is normally around like November 5th, November 7th, something like that. And when you would go on your holiday break in like late December to do preseason patches and create new content. It seems like every year we're just getting weird stuff. Two, two, two points to that. One, Worlds in NA. I think that really took away a lot of the big decision makers and, and developers that, might be true. that wanted to go and see Worlds for the first time in what, six years? Six years in North America. I don't. You don't normally get to go to Worlds if you're not on esports. So I can see how that pulled people away, and they made like a whole weekend out of it. Uh, and the that second thing one is one weekend. That's like three days. Like they had like seven weeks. Oh, I mean, you know? like New York or Georgia or whatever it is. I, I could see them going for two weeks, and okay, that sure. that's a whole cycle. Weak excuse, but you know, six years in the making. And then the other one is Valorant. I just think you got a lot of decision makers and a lot of investment going into Valorant. So no, that, no, no. Val Valorant doesn't matter. I guess I think I think it was all Jackie Felling that decided the schedules and everything. I think that the commissioner of LCS had the power. That's what yeah. makes sense. <laughs> it yeah, it definitely wasn't everyone above her writing those blog posts. Jackie's the best. I Let's feel bad for her, her where other Jackie's, people make yeah. decisions about her league and then she just has to deal with it. Jackie's yeah. great. All right. So she literally came into like a fucking burning. Just, everything was just burning down. It's like she showed up. It's like the fucking meme with, with Donald Glover and the fucking pizza. She showed up like that, fixed everything, and then she somehow got flamed. It's like, fuck you. It's like, wait, you're like, she like she wasn't here for any of the bad shit. She's only done the good shit. So yeah. We don't care. Like, we're just mad at people. Like fans, now's the time. Be nice to Jackie. Send her nice messages and stuff. She is a boon for league esports in North America. All right. Man, that was definitely an expanding galaxy and an expanding brain, <laughs> an expanding galaxy brain club. We we went everywhere. Started with G2 internationally, and then we went to Melk and Dom fighting with God. <laughs> <laughs> Dom argues with God. That, that, that should be the, the title of the episode. Like, Dom flames God. Dom, yeah. flames, Dom flames God. God. Even God isn't safe. <laughs> you know, I, right. I just like, dude, that's the thing. It's like, I, I got some fucked up argument tactics. I'll be like, well, like, God, you made me. And if I'm a flawed person, that's your fault. Like, I would just, I would really just start bringing in the fucking crazy ass logic. All right. Why not? Let's I, I wouldn't go with that. See, the, the Monty style argument to that would be, God, you are omnipotent and you made someone more omniscient than you. That was a mistake, wasn't it? <laughs> True. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Let's let's uh, move on from here. Let's get into. Uh, all right. Our next one here.
It's, uh, we're, we're looking back on the season. Oh, I had one more point. I think the reason why we're having so many conversations about T1 and, 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 you know, they're going to win everything is because everything feels kind of accelerated because Europe's already done with their playoffs. You know, it was like, oh shit, they're in playoffs. What's after playoffs worlds and international event, even though they have a whole nother split, it, it feels like it accelerated a lot of things, but we here on power spike are going to slow things down and actually do the opposite. We're going to look back and uh try to fix some 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 teams maybe i was gonna say dumpster fire teams but we're saving that one for later with one roster move to undo in our episode of remake this is uh or in our segment of remake this is us undoing some tragedy that happened in the beginning of the year all right so we had a lot of movement across all the teams, except, like I said, CLG and T1. Uh, but some moves didn't quite work out. So we've got Monty and I will dominate here to try and pick one roster move that might fix or save a team. And it doesn't have to be like, you know, a bottom feeder team and this will fix all their problems. But maybe like a mid-tier team, a, a playoff caliber team that you're like, oh. you want to see one move. Yeah, we're, we're we're reversing a move that was made in the offseason. Yeah. So yeah. here we go. I would I would remake the Mickey X for Targamas uh, for XL <laughs> for XL. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's, that's that's XL biased. What the hell? <laughs> I know because I'm still salty that they were my number two team in Europe and ended up in like tenth place. Okay, okay. so all right, makes sense. <laughs> also, Targamas. I, I know we we can't know exactly what the issue with the team was, but it seemed like Targamas may have uh, kind of lost his drive to play uh, or drive to talk in some of these games. And I think with Mickey's performance and considering I have last week and this week repeatedly said that I think he is the MVP of the winter split for Europe, I think getting rid of him probably was one of the bigger mistakes, especially because he went back to G2 and you took Targamas from G2 and here we are. So I would go ahead and remake that roster move. I don't know if it solves everything with Excel, but I think Excel okay. at least gets a few ranks higher by having Mickey X on this roster, particularly with how active Mickey X has been on the map. And I, I think he would probably have helped out quite a bit more. And then Neon maybe would have had to change to playing a lot more passively, playing more conservatively in the bot lane. But that, that bot lane wasn't necessarily going super well anyway, so maybe he could have helped out prop up VTO in the in the middle of the map, helped out Odo Omne a bit, especially so Odo Omne started to lose more and more lanes as the split dragged on, helped out with some of the mid and late game shot calling. So I would have liked to have had Mickey X's veteran presence back on the XL roster. Yeah, and to that point, I don't think Neon has to play more passively because Mickey's roaming. He just has to play better because... Hots plays Draven, man. Like, that's not <laughs> passive. That's not passive at all. You just have to sure. play better. Yeah, sure. <laughs> all right, Dom, what do you got here? Yeah, I mean, I would do. I, I was going to do the obvious one. I thought that uh, Monty was going to steal this one, which is I would have Odo Omne back on Koi slash Rogue. I mean, <laughs> like, he was just... It feels like they. there's no benefit they have, like, I, I, to... That like or that they've gained from having Shigenda on the team, I don't really see why 
Koi made the move to begin with. Also, it doesn't seem like they wanted to make the move based on how they decided to play with Shigenda. It feels like they just, they're just ignoring the fact that he's a new player and just making him into bad Odo Omni. It's like, yeah, just whatever. You play weak side top. You just pick your NAR, whatever. We're never going to visit your lane. Hopefully you lane well and come to team fights. I just don't really see the angle of the move at all. And it doesn't even seem like Koi is willing to explore what could be a potential upside from that move. So that's, yeah, that's that's my uh, take cut and dry. I think that we just, I think it was actually good for both teams, right? I think that if if Koi had Odo Omni, maybe Shigenda would be on XL and maybe Shigenda would play better in a team like XL where, you know, he could be more of a carry top. Maybe he could be more true to himself. Um, you know, maybe they would pick up more wins, but I feel like right now it's a, uh, yeah, it's a bad move for both teams. So bring Odo back. Mm. I, I've got another hot take that, that we may want to discuss, which is um, keep Jensen on cloud nine. Uh, you like this... keep minutes? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I understand why cloud nine made the roster move that they did. I think Jensen for most, in spite of winning, I mean, I still can't believe they won the summer split. That is just unbelievable to me. But in spite of winning, uh, Jensen was really limited on his champion pool coming off of his break. And I think that I would have made the same decision and we can look at Dignitas and their horrific record, but honestly, Jensen's been one of the better parts of that team. And I do wonder because Diplex has been okay, but not great. If Jensen could have gotten back into form in the off season and then done better on C9 in this split, because obviously they're not, even though C9 is doing well, Overall, they they are still looking for a new ceiling, which is what they're trying to get by having MS on this roster. I, I actually like the move that they made because if you were to imagine Cloud9 with Jensen, I don't think Jensen has that much more to give. I think he's pretty much just the player that he is. Um, he plays his mages. He can kind of play a zillion every now and then. Uh, and he's going to be all right in, in in games, but I think that C9 realized at, at Worlds that if you're going to try to do the next thing, which I don't think it really matters to them if they get another NA title and then just get shit on again at, at Worlds, um, if you're going to really push the boundaries of what NA is capable, capable of, you just need people that are better in lane. So they're trying to find people that are better than Jensen in the lane. Um, and even if Jensen was on their team still, I think FlyQuest would still be a better team than C9. So I don't, sure. I feel like there wouldn't be too much of a like benefit to having Jensen. And I don't think that he would ever get in like a next level laning form. It seems like he's kind of like Bjergsen at this point in um, his career where, you know, you, you just know what type of player he is. He's a completely uh, known quantity. So I, um, I, I like the fact that they're trying to do something that could make the team better in the long run because, it's not like they're trying to like band-aid to get to worlds, right? They, they were, which is why they brought in Jensen in the first place. I assume was they're was like, the Hey, we need to yeah. get someone out of the team. We need fudge top. Like we're, we're yeah. actually in a dire situation. You've got a yes. full year now. Um, try to get Jimenez in there. See if Jimenez can actually end up doing some work. Maybe he becomes a God leader. I mean, this, Maybe he this, has more. This, LeBlanc I think, plays. I think this move that they're making right now makes sense. Um, but because Diplex has been meh, but I think it probably would have been, my opinion is that it, I don't think it's an overwhelming difference, but I think it probably would have been better to have Jensen's floor this split than Diplex's floor. And you still would have had the Eminem's option. So, mm -hmm. Not like Jensen hasn't been benched before. Um, okay. Just throwing, 
throwing this out here, throwing this out here, why am have I misspelled his name or not said his right? Why are we going with Jimenez instead of MNS? His name Jimenez. <laughs> yeah, he's somebody he's who came from Angeles. Miami. Like he has, me. he has a Spanish name now. Yeah, right. he's just, he just Jimenez. You know, he, he grew up in Miami like I did. Rivera, Jimenez, Hernandez. You know, all of us. We we're just back home chilling. So he's a, he's just an import. He's a North American player now. We got to give him a North American name. All right, I will use that in the interview, and he's going to be so confused. But I'll explain. I'll explain the joke to him. Um. I think no, for so, me, okay. Like, so just if you want the real answer, I did a I did a co stream with Afro, and he kept on calling him Jimenez, like because instead of Jimenez, <laughs> he called him Jimenez, and then I just started calling him Jimenez. <laughs> Jimenez, man. like I just started going off. I mean, it is what yeah. it is. He's Jimenez yeah, yeah. now. <laughs> All right, I will. That that makes more sense. And okay, cool, 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 cool. Thanks, Afro. Uh, I'm going back to the same well there. I think it's Santorin staying on Team Liquid. You know, I think it was very exciting to get your shiny new. Ooh, I toy. like that take, Digon. I really like that one. Because Antorin just sucks. Like, yeah, yeah man. Like, is really bad. bad. And wait, he's really bad. That then allows you another import spot, and then you can import a mid laner for Harry. Sorry, Harry. But like, then it opens up so many more avenues for Team Liquid to play with because Antorin is a uh, NA tiv, uh, even though he's from EU. An NA tiv. I like that too. All right. Thanks. Okay. Yeah. All right. Two for two. Good take Degon. Thanks, I like Dom. That. Appreciate it. Silence the haters. What do you think, Monty? Oh, I did. I did okay there. Right? Yeah. No, it's a good one. Yeah. No. I mean, it's especially good. Look, the thing about Pioshik is, I, everyone knows I'm a hater, right? I just embrace it at this point. I'm a hater. <laughs> Even my hater perspective was that Pioshik was going to be fifth best jungler. You're going to go from world champion to be like the fifth best jungler in NNA. He's actually worse than that. Like he's around eighth. Eight. Maybe you could go seventh if you're like being really generous. I think any higher than that, you're literally just ignoring the games and being delusional. I mean, he outdid like even with my hater vision, I couldn't see him being that bad. That's crazy. Like eighth place NA from world champion. Like how much of a fraud was this guy? Crazy I, I levels of fraud. I, I don't have an opinion. I've basically given up on watching Team Liquid. So, oh, you oh. really need. Okay, so the thing about about. <laughs> Pioshek now if you haven't watched all their games is that he can sometimes get leads but he will just always make a late game mistake that's a complete catastrophe he will just ruin every single game at some point <laughs> like he even when, when he gets the lead unless the team is absurdly far ahead and they're playing versus like an absolute shit team they're playing versus like Immortals or something he's going to completely ruin the game at some point and the problem with TL is when you're playing in NA you don't have the Zika deft fallback option. You don't have Zika and deft just <laughs> sitting right there where they're going to carry the game. Oh, you can make like one oopsie, but it's okay. Like you're kind of like your role. You already got your, your players ahead. Those guys are going to carry a late game fight. Now that he's got like Harry and Yeon, Harry and Yeon, they punish him for what he does. They, they punish him for his sins. So <laughs> like it, it's the opposite of T1 and G2 that we're talking about. You get away with it. You have someone there flogging you every time you make the mistake. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, that that's that's a crazy experience. Like, imagine if you were somebody like Yike, who, like, Yike has mistakes every now and then. He's obviously I, I really do, good. I do like that you have cast Harry and Yeon as basically mistake magnifiers. Yeah, they are mistake <laughs> magnifiers. That's what they are, 100%. percent been good. Yeon's been good. No, he I, has I, not. He, he has he not. He's looked, he's looked passable, but there's times where he's just not dealing damage. We, we, in, that, in that 100 Thieves game, he just wouldn't auto-attack. He just would yeah. not auto-attack the Cassante that's in his face. It's... Some people, they don't look like when I judge players, I'm not 
looking at them as to like how bad are, are they doing relative like are they doing good or bad i'm just like what could they have done i judge them based off what their what the potential of their moves should have been and he has so much potential to deal damage where he's just not doing it because he doesn't have the team fight vision yet he just doesn't understand when he can open up and unleash and when he can carry a team fight it's like he's just kind of like trying to play in the pocket you know he's just in the pocket the entire time and when his fucking o-line collapses he just gets sacked like he just love doesn't, that he doesn't have like that's a good analogy <laughs> that's a really good analogy i love it you've okay. used it before too so that, that that makes a lot of sense to me all right all right sorry Jan. i tried uh god smited me down here dom smited me down here <laughs> all right Let's see. Uh, God, I just keep the thing though. I like it. I, I just keep right. thinking about it though, because like, I I know we gotta keep going, but just like, you can make so much content about like Santorin being like, well, I don't know what's happening, you know, like, oh, I'm learning Korean now. It's not just uh, the manager making the team liquid content. It could be like the manager Ben and Santorin learning along the way, and you could just import. You could have imported Gory. You could have imported anyone over in the mid lane, and this team looks completely different. Oh, Ability right. to speak Korean is super, super overrated. <laughs> like, it's really, really over. Like it, speaking Korean is surprisingly not what makes Korean players good. <laughs> what makes them good <laughs> is the fact that they play well. You know, it feels right. like they just went too all in on that. But it's like, but they all speak Korean. It's like, dude, who cares? He's running it down. He's running it, but he's running it down while saying he's running it down in Korean. Like, who cares, man? Please, just like get people that actually know how to play the game. <laughs> all right. Well. That was our uh, remake for the day, our roster moves here. What do you think of them? Let us know in the comments below in this video and which roster move you would remake for the 2023 season. Next up, yep, it's more danger for the bottom teams. We've got a high key, low key, no key for which dumpster fire teams we should be most worried about. All right, Monty. Let's start with you first. We've got a plethora of bad teams across the world of League of Legends. Which one are you the least worried about? No key. You're just like, hey, they're just in a bad form. They're going to turn back on. Ooh. Uh, I think I think this one this one's pretty tough. I, I guess maybe... Hmm. I wrote this segment. I'm not sure I even have an answer to the the no key worried about the dumpster fire teams. I guess I I I, I want to say Excel, but I am actually worried about them, especially if they're going to make <laughs> coaching changes. To me, that's the. I feel like if you if you make one or two roster changes and maintain the coaching staff that we know was good, so I guess I'm more concerned about them. Maybe I'm lowest key concerned about drx i knew that's where you're gonna pick i knew weirdly um drx has had a really hard schedule in the past couple of weeks and they they have been able to at least start picking up games against teams that are above them in the standings they're basically shut out from being in playoffs right now and we have called this team like fraudulent based on the roster but i think starting next split they will probably be able to do just a little bit better. Uh, and I feel like the turnaround has already started. They're still bad, don't get me wrong. But I have to say, I am less worried about this team because of their veteran players, and they do have some obvious strengths than I am about certain other teams that we might consider like failed experiments so far around the world. Croco time in the summer. I love Croco time. 
I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tom. In in the world of bad teams, and bad can be subjective. You can choose, you know, maybe a playoff team that was bad. Uh, what is a team that you are not too worried about? What are you no key worried about here in terms of the dumpster fire? So, I mean, I, okay, we could do it like this. And what I was gonna wonder, what I was gonna ask you guys, I was gonna pro- proposition that we change it from high key, low key, no key, like you know, uh, worried about in t- in- instead we go with high key, low key, no key excited for, because like, I like <laughs> I get really excited to see some dumpster fire teams. I mean, fail. I'm a high key excited to watch hundred thieves continue to be a dumpster fire. Yeah. Like that's a good one. Like I, <laughs> anyone want to go that angle because sure, we go go there. I think it could be, it could be pretty entertaining, but we could, we could do whatever. I no, just no, we'll to, do it your way. We'll do it your way. That's fine. Yeah. I, okay. I like that better. Uh, so then, Monty, yours would be what? I'm still, you are. I'm still really no key excited to see DRX <laughs> be a dumpster fire. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just know they're not going to be good enough. Like, it, it, I, look, man, I lived through Nongshim last year. When these when these Korean rosters that should have more potential than than they've actually shown fail, it just Jesus. seems like the players get super depressed and then just continue to kind of suck but maybe get slightly better i don't think that they are i don't think drx is as emotionally broken as nongshim was last year and it does feel like they're starting to turn it around but even so i can't see this team really meaningfully competing for playoff slots especially with hanwa getting a lot better i mean who who do they go after i think they're just meaningfully worse than the top six teams in in the lck so maybe they get seventh which is an improvement but i'm still not super excited about them yeah okay I am both not Imagine. very worried about them, but also not very excited for them. Okay, that's fair. That's I fair. think they Dumb. have a, a higher floor and like a lower ceiling, so mm-hmm. just kind of maintaining stability. All right, yeah. Dom, can continue on as, as as one of our friends in chat said. This is now hater spike, not power spike. So <laughs> hater spike, <laughs> hate spike. Well, isn't that an, that's an Evelyn ability? Yeah, that's, that's Evelyn Q. <laughs> old Hate spike, Jesus! <laughs> just come, do we no. come out of nowhere, invisibly hate spiking you? <laughs> yeah. I, I couldn't get over how uh, when Monty said like I lived through Nongshim, it just sounded like a World War II battle or something. Dude, I did like, live through Nongshim, dude. That was my Vietnam. I'm just gonna yeah. put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> I lived through Nongshim. It was tough out there. <laughs> Last year's Nongshim Red Force was my Vietnam, Dom. Yeah, okay, I've lived right. a comfortable life. Yeah, you, you are rude. <laughs> You are so privileged. It's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, uh, my no key excited. I guess I'll go with an LPL team for like dumpster fire teams. I'm I'm no key excited for uh, this, this ultra prime team. I've seen enough of them. Like I think that at the beginning they were kind of hype because you got two world champions coming back to play together. And then you obviously have doggo on the team. Plus this hyped up LDL rookie and Ching who won the previous year with, with, uh, fpx blaze or fp blaze i think it's called fun plus blaze um in in ldl i i just don't want to see anymore they just look completely talentless um that's the biggest thing about them they don't look like they could be much better than they are right now they're pe- they're peaking with three wins they're probably going to end the, the split with three wins they're, they were three and six before today now they're three and seven they got six best of threes left i think they lose all six i'm no key excited about that uh that dumpster fire team and i don't think anyone is yeah uh Sorry, Doggo. I really wanted Doggo to do well after all that crap that happened to him uh, when he was over in PCS. But and then yeah. being behind, being benched behind Uzi, like you know, okay, here's my move to the LPL, and then you just 
you well, know. I mean, he barely like he he played pretty much every game. Like Uzi played like a few games, and that was but it. It was like looming. It's like looming behind you. Like that just feels bad. Like that. This is my big move, and it gets overshadowed. That's what that's what I meant to say. It's overshadowed by you know the hero of the LPL. Like you know, it's just like eh, that felt bad. But that team, not so good. Um, I think. For me, I am no key excited about the dumpster fire that is Immortals. Every every loss there just hurts, and every win doesn't feel good. Like it, it just stinks. Like it just stinks for this team. It stinks for every individual on there. You know, the we, they were trying to do the content buff. Revenge was doing the content buff, and then last week he's like, "Sorry guys, can't do the content." You know, it's just been really tough because we're losing a lot. Yeah, yeah. That it, that's not fun anymore. Like at least with Dig, like they made a roster move and it's interesting to see how they throw differently well, this time, but like with with Immortals it just it just hurts. It just yeah, hurts. I mean, it's also the amount of time they've been losing, right? Like Jensen and Santorin, it's like, "Haha, like we're 0-9. It's kind of funny. We were on top for so long, but like Revenge is just he's continually had hope every year. Like I talk I to the guy, Revenge. I know that he I feel always so bad for him. <laughs> he's the type of guy that like legitimately believes in his teammates. Like no matter yep. what team he's dealt, he's like, I don't care. Like, I don't care what other people thought about Blaze All. Like, these are my boys. Like, I believe in all mm -hmm. of them. We're gonna be good he's, this year. He's a legitimate sweetheart, so it does make yeah. me really sad to see yeah, him. Yeah, it's 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 tough for him. But yeah, just watching watching tactical and misfortune. Oh, imagine, imagine like believing in tactical like it, like when you when you're expecting tactical ints it's okay like it's kind of funny in a way it's like oh i wonder how he's gonna int this time but imagine if like your success as a player rode on tactical not inting and every <laughs> single you go every single game you go into you just have massive amounts of anxiety like please tactical don't write it down this time i believe in you man come on we can do it this time like you remember you remember season 11 like season 11 spring you remember season 10 summer you, you were good back then but like, yeah. that's that's the that's the guy i see you for i don't see you like all these other haters see you and then he just runs it down on you over and over again that's got to be so punishing i very much hate how you just described how i like to view players i'm like all right here at your peak this was that was exactly what i was thinking with tactical and i watched <laughs> The, that, that misfortune game was just oh they're in a corridor just press R back up what are you doing yep that's oh, the pain that's, that's the what pain. you missed out on uh, imagine if also like you were losing your career on top of the pain you're feeling so you're feeling that pain and then also it's like yeah and you might like lose fucking money and you like could have been a fucking doctor and you're giving it up to play in fucking immortals like then you just start getting the real revenge I mean, pain it's that's not like why you can't be a blocks. doctor in the future come on yeah <laughs> this is dumb they, who doesn't drink milk he doesn't believe in those yeah I'm, I'm pretty anymore. i'm pretty i'm pretty sure that uh you know when uh when he goes and applies to med school down the line uh the dean is going to look at his application oh, and I mean, just look, see the immortal team saying, and he'd be like you've already killed too many people revenge like we can't <laughs> we can't have this <laughs> i think what will happen is, is they'll look at it and they'll be like if you couldn't diagnose tactical, something that obvious, <laughs> how could you diagnose these patients? <laughs> okay, never mind. Get us out of here. Yeah, all right. Let's go to Loki. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's good. What do you mean? We're getting closer and closer to what possibly could cancel us by getting us more excited about a team that's bad. Let's go back to you, Dom. What are you, Loki, uh, excited to see in terms of a dumpster fire, man? Fanatic. I'm low-key excited for All right, the Fnatic there it is. Fire. Our Fnatic fans, they were waiting. They were waiting. The thing about it is like, you know, the the there's gonna be new players on the team, and I don't really want to see like Advian fail. Like I wanna see him succeed. And like they have a new player, Oskarnan. I don't really know anything about him. Apparently he came from but their don't academy. Don't you want to see Dardo fail? 
I want to see Dardo fail, but it's like low key, right? Because I don't really, I don't want to see the other guys fail, but they probably will. And also it's not as like egregious. Like when they failed this one, it's like, oh my God, look at all the talent. But now that we know that it's going to be Oscar Nin, and now that we know it's going to be Advian instead, um, it's just, it's not as hype to me. They're, they're failure. Also, they've already failed once. So if they fail again, it's, you know, it already loses some, uh, some steam. I agree. It's kind of a mixed bag because I also want to see humanoid perform or like play internationally because he always does well on an individual level internationally. Um, so it's kind of a bummer that they're not able to be there. I just I want I want humanoid and Razork to work. They're the they're the couple that has been fighting for two years <laughs> that I just really I want to see them succeed because I yeah. like both of them so much individually, but they mm -hmm. seem incompatible. They need to go to uh, jungle mid marriage counseling. Oh, tell me if you see this counseling. comparison, Monty. So what I always say is that Razork is like an abused dog and Humanoid <laughs> uh -huh, is not necessarily an abuser, but he's like a belligerent sports fan. So like <laughs> the abused dog is constantly like every single time you see you see Humanoid get up and he's like, he's like yelling at the TV. He's like, Arsenal, like you motherfucker. Like he just starts yelling and like, Razork's like, what the fuck, man? What the fuck? What's going on? Like he has like these like fucking horrible flashbacks and stuff, but it's like actually okay. You know, it, there's not actually a problem, but it just, it doesn't work. It, there's, there's some issue there. Yes. They're reacting very differently to the same scenario. I see what yeah. you're saying. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that one. I was like, <laughs> all right, Mati, what, what are you low key excited about seeing in dumpster fires? I mean, I, I think the fanatic one is, is a pretty good example. I think I'd probably go with that one too. Um, Maybe maybe there's an argument for for Koi as well, because I am still bitter about the the Odoamne move. Um, and uh, but I have some sympathy for Koi. They didn't want to be capped at their old ceiling and they wanted to try something else. So I think it's understandable if you're if you're shooting for a higher floor, why you would want to make that move. So maybe it's not Koi. Uh, chat came up with a good one. The Rachel of Ross of the LEC. That's that's a good one. <laughs> That's a good one for those of you that watch Friends. I'm I'm not sure. Have you watched Friends, Dom? Uh, I watched it a long time ago, but yeah, I get the Rachel Ross reference. All right, there we go. See, it's doable. I've never seen it Friends. without getting canceled. Really? All right. Well, really? <laughs> yes. I, I didn't even ask you because I assumed you did. All right. Well, I avoid these. I avoid time. these things like the plague. I avoid them. Like well, the I mean, I feel like it was like your parents that either watched it with you or not. Like you were, like you were that you were like nine when it came out or something. You're like ten. Yeah, it, it was on TV for a long time though. Yeah, yeah. Not network television has never been my or my family's thing. Anyway. Oh, all right. Moving, moving on. What is the team that I am low key excited about in terms of dumpster fire? Um, I don't. Mm, I'm. I don't know if this is considered. You know, give just give me Dignitas. I like I like seeing Dignitas like figure it out. Just because some <laughs> games they're like, why are you it? being positive about this? This is you're excited to see them be a dumpster fire. Yeah, you I am. You can't just you. Okay, you like watching them be Wait, a dumpster fire. I like watching them be in a dumpster fire because sometimes uh -huh. if I don't want to watch this match, I'll just watch the highlights and skip to the very end to see what the kill discrepancy was. Is it uh -huh. 10 this time? Is it 15 this time? Is it 20 <laughs> this time? And then see, you know, it, uh, just make sure I'm watching Jensen's face at the very end because Jensen just, it's the same. The lost face every time is the same. It's like, how did I get here? You know, and that's it. When they won, 
it, it looked like they won worlds. They panned to Armit like right afterwards, and he was like ready to lift the desk I keep over. Like Armit on this team, that's so egregious. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, he's probably he's probably their best performing player too. That's like the most oh. egregious part. Nah, Ignar Ignar is good. Ignar Ignar is good on that. He team. hasn't played enough to be to <laughs> okay. Get okay, that out of the four first. players, out of yeah. the four players, and yes, it, it's, played the whole it's, season. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so I think watching watching this team is is fun because you just got Ignar back. You, you swapped in Tomo. Spawn clearly was the issue. Tomo's one and one. What a much better record than the other guy. And you know when they lose, they lose big, and it's just man, it's suffering. I know I can skip this match. So uh, yeah, there we go. That that's a dumpster fire team. I like. All right. Now the high key dumpster fires. Monty, please do us the honors. Like we, uh, I already said, that. hundred thieves. They're by far the most fun team to watch lose. Uh, I watched the FlyQuest hundred thieves game. It was great. Uh, I, I I love I love the fact you know obviously like I have I have some personal takes on this because my friend Papa Smithy was the GM of this team and did so well when it came to ensuring their consistent success and then for them to make a pivot when they continuously say that they are not a hoodie org. They make the most hoodie org move possible during the off season to bring in double lift and Bjergsen, even though double lift hasn't been playing professionally and Bjergsen sure as hell didn't look good last year. So the only rationalization that I can come up with is that they are trying to sell hoodies. Uh, there's no other reason to sign the core of this roster. You don't think they're just clueless? <laughs> uh, look, they could be both. Okay. Porque no los dos, you know, Dom? The motto of the but, I don't know, but Jimenez knows. He knows. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, you know, I, I'm loving the fact that uh, 100 Thieves also generated significant false hope at the start of the season, and now they've completely come back down to earth, and they are scrapping for a top six position, of which it's not guaranteed that they're going to get. Now, the fact that this roster is doing worse than Golden Gardens and CLG is just great. It's just great. Yeah. All right. Dom, weigh in. Or your turn. And also, it's, it's actually impossible for me to feel bad about people who have millions of dollars who are failing. So. Yeah. Well, shit. Well. So, I you mean, know, it's not it's not like feeling bad for players. I, I think the the rookies on 100 Thieves will get more opportunities. And uh, Bjergsen and Doublelift are set for life. So. It's just funny. It's only funny, in fact. Yep. Hey, for for me, I'm going with the other option here, which is uh, TL. I mean, I think that TL is really, really hilarious to to watch lose because just like the way that they went about things was just, I thought, so weird. Instead of just putting better players on the team, they just went for like this full Korean speaking live. They just like, it's, they have such, like, they, th like, the whole joke is people act like Monty's the Korean fellatio enthusiast, but like, oh, even, e even Monty would not put together this roster. Like, that's true. Like, I would not. This is crazy amounts of fellatio. Like, <laughs> I, I, I mean, mean just, I watched Bioshock all year. I definitely would not have made this roster. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's one of those things where I I think it gets so ridiculous the way that people like kind of like idolize Korean League of Legends to the point where you're not even making rosters of good players. You're just going based off the fact that they can speak Korean together like you have Whippo right there, man. He's literally right there. And Ellis had a tweet that I that I agreed with where it's like he's probably better than four out of the five players on that roster in their <laughs> roles. <laughs> like I, I, I would be very surprised. What, like everybody but core. Yeah, or everybody everyone but, but core. Yeah, I yeah, think Booker's right. just a better player than everyone but Corey. Ellis said that, and I completely agree. I have the same exact <laughs> sentiment. When I'm watching them, it doesn't make sense. 
And like, I don't know. It's just, they're like, we're going to work harder than other teams. It's like, what about talent? Like, what the fuck? Like, to me, that makes them look even worse. They're working harder than all the other teams and they suck this much. They're like an eighth place team and they just lost to 100 Thieves. So that was, I mean, I don't know if you watched that game, Monty, but that was a great suck off right there. It's who sucks more? Like, I did not. <laughs> yeah. that, is one, that is one for the ages because it is uh, just uh, like. Dom declares 100 Thieves versus TL a great suck off for the ages. Yep, a suck off for the ages. <laughs> in, in between our, our two high key dumpster fires, uh, that, that was the most satisfying suck off game yep yep <laughs> it was it was just crazy because uh dom dom was drained for an entire week guys entire well week. i mean the, the thing that's so insane is somehow you know like sometimes games are played where even though like one team wins and the other team loses they both look good like this was just a series where they one team won but they both look bad both of the teams showed their absolute worst qualities within the same game so you have Piosha getting ahead and throwing it and then the carries from TL just doing absolutely nothing in fucking team fights you have 100 thieves doing their standard bullshit where they get super far behind in the lane phase they AFK the whole time and they just scale into like winning the game but it doesn't even feel like a good win because they've essentially just won the way TSM won all those championships in NA and they kept on going to worlds and, and just doing nothing it was it was such a perfect amount of suck but TL actually came out behind. So they somehow suck even worse than 100 Thieves. <laughs> and the, the big thing is that now it looks like TL is probably not going to even make playoffs. It's very hard for them to make playoffs. Like they've already played 11 games. Um, wait, have they played 11? It's 11, right? Yeah. Yeah, 11, 11 games. So they're four and seven. And one of the teams that they're going to be competing with, probably the team they'll be directly competing with for a playoff spot is 100 Thieves. And 100 Thieves now own a 2-0 tiebreak over TL. So... The whole thing is actually just like really shaping up to be super catastrophic because Golden Guardians legit looks good. They look good. Yeah, the remaining schedule is also Golden Guardians, TSM, Cloud9, FlyQuest, Dignitas, CLG, and EG. So they've they've actually got some relative. They've got a relatively harder schedule. Whereas yeah, they don't have the tiebreak. You know, Dignitas. Yeah, they have Immortals left as well. So it'll be it's a, it's a bit of an easier schedule. Looks like for hundred thieves. Yeah, I mean, out of all these games, TL should be favored in how many? Like, actually, the only te team they should be favored against is Dignitas. Like, maybe, like, CLG maybe and TSM CLG. they could be favored yeah. over. But, I mean, TSM is a game up. CLG is two games up on them. I don't know. When I watch this team, they're they're terrible. And magically, if you have, I, I know that they thought that it's like, oh well, like the the ability to speak Korean will somehow like transcend all the problems within the gameplay. But when you watch them play, it's like, hmm, like you have the full Korean coaching staff, you have like the full Korean speaking team, so you can't make excuses about language barrier and all that stuff anymore. The players just suck, and you know, it's 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 one of those things where. Harry and Yeon, even though they're the ones that will probably get the majority of the blame because they're like the younger players, I don't even think it's their fault. I think that Yeon, obviously, he's not been playing well, but I still think that he's playing better than some other players on the team. So it's really just exposing a lot of fraudulency over there. And yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. I've pretty much said, said my piece on it. I just think that they're just a great team to watch lose because it feels like they were trying to kind of like cheat the LCS in a way where it's like, we're going to get an LCK team within the LCS and that's how going to be how we win. I mean, I think also that we look at uh we look at the way that team liquid has been gm'd over the past couple of years and it's just been catastrophic in very different ways the the fact that they have done so little with the vast amount of resources that they have especially compared to teams like golden guardians and clg is just terrible they're getting 
absolutely awful value right now. Their reads on players are just terrible. They're just terrible. Like they, the management needs to be fixed over there for sure. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they have this, they've always had this weird obsession with like world championships and like world's performances only for some reason, which I always found extremely weird um, because like that's one tournament out of the year. And normally how I rate players, like I, I look at the entire year of gameplay and there was absolutely nothing that would make you want to import Pioshik. Like, I, I mean, I always say it like there. LCS is like smurfing for a, for an Asian player. Like if you're a Korean or a Chinese player, you want to get somebody who's like a solo queue smurf, somebody who's super high rated, good mechanics, knows how to win games, like with resources. Games are slower. It's not really about like, are you able to enable teammates, which is what I would put Pioshik in that category of. He's definitely in the category of like a peanut, for example, who's good at enabling teammates. And, you know, like he has some creative gank angles. Um, he's not somebody who's going to carry a game. It's such a bad fit into North America. I think somebody like Umpty would play better in North America. Um, I think Croco would play better in North America. Yep. Obviously, Canyon owner, Quiller. those players would play better. Like these guys, these are the guys that actually have like the the carry in them where I just don't see Pioshik having that quality. So not only are you going to put like a facilitator in your team, which is not what you'd want from an import anyway. You kind of want them to be like people that are going to carry the game. You'd rather have somebody like River, for example, who is... You know, he doesn't have a world championship, but he's a significantly better player, which should matter more than some like random credentials and accolades and stuff like that. You're putting a facilitator with rookie carries. How is that ever going to work? Like, it's so dumb from the beginning of it. And the only reason I had them at the end of the top four is I thought that they would just have good enough players and the other teams were going to be so weak that they would end up there. But like, I like to see that the LCS players are actually just just beating them when TL gives them the free wins. Yeah. They're, they're taking the toss it, for many of the reasons that you just brought up. It, it's TL for me as well. TL is the team that I like watching lose the most. And, and, and again, try to figure it out. Uh, I had that interview with Marin saying it's communication. We are constantly pulling very hard all in different directions. And once he said that, that's all you see in the game. You just see all four guys and you know Jan's just with core uh pulling in different directions and it's just very it's so obvious it is so so obvious that's what this team is doing that it's like okay where's like where's my where's my uh train wreck ah it's right there you know exactly what you're getting when you go and watch it whereas dignitas i'm like i wonder how they're gonna lose it with immortals i hate seeing them lose it because it's kind of depressing with team liquid it's that old reliable oh look Everyone's doing different things. They're all dead. And that, to me, is why it is my favorite one. Which hyped. is the exact opposite of how the team was marketed, right? Like, the whole yep. idea of the team was that they were going to be super in sync with each other because of their, like, their the, because of the language, right? And the main reason why NA teams weren't in sync with each other is because they all, like, there is language barrier. There is that, like, different in culture, difference in culture and all this stuff. So I think that that's just the, the best part about the failure right there is it's it's the opposite of how it's marketed. Yeah, it kind of debunks a lot of previous teams' like excuses in the past if you're a North American saying like, hey, maybe it was a language barrier that was difficult. No, maybe your import was just a bad player. Not naming names or thinking of anyone in specific that I might have uh, experience with. Or okay. Dom's organization, former organization, had experience with. All right, mm -hmm. let's get to it. Thank you so much for knocking out this high-key, low-key, no-key. Y'all, it's another long episode. 
Last segment for the day. It's just to get that taste, refine the taste. Maybe you watched um, EU uh, and you didn't like, or EMEA, sorry, uh, the rest of Mia. Um, maybe you didn't like uh, some of the gameplay there. You watched the LCS and you accidentally watched some Immortals. We've got a certified banger there to cleanse the palate. Uh, so let's get to it. All right. Let's close it out here. The certified banger of the week this time comes back from the LPL. Last week it was an LCK affair. This week it's from the LPL. Dom, take it away. What is our certified banger of the week? Yeah, certified banger of the week is JDG versus Top. I mean, it was expected to be a banger. It was unfortunately a 2-0, but I would say that like as far as 2-0s go, we got a close 2-0. Like you got to see the teams actually battling um, between each other. Uh, TS normally like one of the things that you'd see as an advantage that they would have would be the rookie versus knight matchup rookie normally just beats knight's ass and i feel like the way the jdg adapted to that is they played the annie which is the it's the noob pick right it's like the mobile <laughs> champion that you just stick in mid i don't mean in mobile in terms of like how much mobility you have in the game i mean like you can't move it out of mid lane it just kind of sits there farms like it has mana sustain with the q it has hp sustain effectively with the shield and they were able to just come back in team fights, which were some of the glimpses of old JDG. JDG last year was not a team that would like stomp you. They weren't like T1 and LCK where they would try to like just steamroll you, get ahead and steamroll you. Um, they were more the team that would come back and find team team fight angles. And they were just really good as a five man unit, uh, which was nice to see. And I think you saw glimpses of uh, that in this series where they weren't necessarily ahead. And TN was actually smurfing in a couple of these games, but they were still able to find the angles. They've looked like they had um, that, that synergy as a team, which is you know pretty impressive to me to be able to do that from losing positions. And I mean, obviously you don't want to be losing in games, but if you do end up losing, being able to pull out the wins and give yourself the best chance to, to, to take that win, the best chance to win a fight. I think it's just really nice to see. So yeah, I thought it was a, it was a good series to watch. I, I enjoyed watching it. I think that, you know, it's, it's relatively short. It's, it's not a, a huge time yeah. investment. So if you didn't watch it, you can always just go back 30 and, minute games. Yeah, it's just two 30-minute games, an hour of your time to watch two of the teams that are expected to be, like, probably top four in the world yep. um, throughout the year, looking at rosters. I think it's a, it's a good time investment. I think it, they, you, you have to see some interesting stuff. It wasn't just, like, a stomp. Yeah, I, I think maybe the game, two was a little bit more one-sided. So I like to see Kanavi, who... Kanavi has actually just straight up like lost JDG some games uh, this split already. So he's had a bit of a rocky performance, but now that they're on 13.3 and uh, the Lee Sin is becoming more popular, it was nice to see Kanavi back on the Lee Sin. He has some really solid team fighting on that champion that uh, turned some situations around for JDG. I also think that their draft in game number two made it very difficult for top esports to play the game. I was a bit surprised to see the GP into the NAR until I got to see the way JDG's composition worked with the kind of Syndra GP Renata Glask into Jackie Loves Draven because the Draven was actually banned uh, against top esports in game number one because that's been obviously consistently one of Jackie Love's signature pick. But I think 369 did an excellent job on the GP. And then once it got out of laning phase and they started a group, it was very clear that Top was going to have a lot of issues winning that game with Draven and Victor into the composition that JDG had drafted. So we got to see nobody inting from JDG, whether in the past few weeks it may have been Ruler, it may have been, it was more likely Kanavi. 
Um, this time around, it seemed like they had a very good read on top. Esports were really well prepared going in and had this red side strat. If Jackie Love picked up the Draven on blue side, that proved to be very effective. So I think game two was pretty one-sided for JDG and game one was a little bit more compelling on the whole. All right, there you have it. Your palate cleanser for the week here, JDG and Toppy Sports from the LPL. Uh, I did want to throw out one. You, you tweeted it out, Dom. Uh, it was the interview from uh, Weibo's, uh, from Weibo, it was light. <laughs> the uh, It was pretty brutal. If you ever, if you need a, a certified banger interview, uh, take a look at the light interview, the bot laner for Weibo Gaming after they beat. Who did they beat in that game? Uh, Do you remember? Which Weibo series was it? It wasn't the LNG series. Well, that, it was the, it was the one with the shy. Yeah, it was the one with the shy that they uh, that the shy popped off because I think you were tweeting about the shy as well. Oh, the one where he like where it looked like he actually was trying to win for once. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, where was that? That was against Ultra Prime, I guess. All right, I am. Uh, was that Ultra through. Prime? IG, maybe? Could have been IG. Yeah, it could have been well, IG. If you go to Dom's page, scroll through his replies, he retweets. Oh, God. He retweets an interview with Light where the interviewer is doing her best. You got a pentakill from game one. How did you manage to communicate? Light. I didn't say a single word. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's your birthday today. Do you have any wishes? Light. I don't celebrate my birthday. <laughs> he you actually know, waited longer than that to make it even more awkward than Digon just made it. Like yeah. Digon wasn't even possible. Like it wasn't even possible for Digon to hold show that much cringe, but yeah. Yeah, it, it's you know, we give the LCS players a lot of shit for being bad at interviewing and showing personality. Light just wins, baby. He doesn't even I mean, celebrate. He plays with the shy, up. like he better have no soul by this point. <laughs> <laughs> he also he also just plays, you know, very I mean, I think Light's been great this season, but he does play a, a pretty like by the book style. conservative style. Uh he's good at it. Uh <laughs> but yeah. he's not like a super, you know, a super flashy player. Mm-hmm. Uh I the the Weibo LNG series was also hilarious. If you guys have time. It was not good, but it was very <laughs> funny. All right. Well, there you have it, guys. Another almost two-hour episode in the books here from Power Spike. A lot to cover. Thank you uh, to all of you tuning in for today. And, of course, make sure you like and subscribe our video over at Last Free Nation on YouTube, Spotify, TikTok. Our Twitter's popping off as well with a ton of content to keep you up to date across all of the esports landscape and, of course, across League of Legends. Uh, Dom, where will people find you this week? Oh, it's a light week for me because uh, no LEC for a week. Yeah. So I'll be doing just LCS co-streams and I'll probably just be doing LPL every single morning. Um, yeah, I'll be reviewing more LCK games as well. Um I didn't do any from the last week. I was going to do, uh, the, well, I, I watched KT versus Dom one and I thought it was like kind of a stomp. So I didn't really, yep. I didn't want to watch either of the KT series. I think, um, yeah, I think that they were just like whatever series, uh, to be honest. So I'll be watching more LCK like during breaks and stuff. So it'll, it'll be kind of a, yeah, it'll be a, a very fast paced coaster where we're just going from LPL game to LCK game to LPL game to LCK game. Uh, KT uh, versus Gen G is happening this week. 
uh, and KT versus Live Sandbox, and then Hanwha versus D+. Those are probably the best games that are going to be happening. Okay. And, and of course, you've got your uh, top 10 coming out as well, Monty. That's right. Got to record a new uh, top 10 power rankings today. So you can look forward to that. Boom. How many NA uh, teams are going to be in the top 10? Uh, well, uh, you know, zero. Oh. Zero? Well, There's G2's no. got two NA players in uh, Broken Blade and, and Hansama. So that's fine. <laughs> they have an NA coach. Yeah, they have an NA coach, an actual NA coach. Not, not the NA the way I was just naming it. Dylan survived. He has survived. Uh, congrats to G2 for their win and all the G2 fans that have supported throughout. Thank you for watching this week's episode. I will be back in the uh, at the LCS Arena doing interviews uh, this weekend or this week. It's not a weekend anymore. And then we'll get those uploaded this week. All right, guys. We will catch you guys next Monday for another episode of Power Spike. See ya.